This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Man, I gotta, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the second hour of Oilers now. I, I mean, I listen to the show pretty much all the time. I enjoy Bob as a host, personally. Uh, but I, I believe it or not, everybody, sometimes I do have grown-up responsibilities at the station, and I wound up in a meeting from 1 to 2 today. But from what some people are referencing and texting in, I don't I don't know what was going on or what people were saying. But uh, their Tony, I guess, called Bob, and then I had people calling in about Tony's call, not only to Inside Sports, but to Oilers now. Man, I'll, I'll have to go back. It sounds like it must have been uh, uh, pretty spirited. You're, you can be spirited on this show, absolutely. You, but, tr- you know, you try to be level-headed, too. That, that's, that's, also, that's also fine. <laughs> Mike, thanks for holding. 780-496-0063. What's going on? How you doing, Reed? I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, Mike out here on the East Coast. First time we've actually talked. Oh, you text all the time. Thank you. Yeah, I'm the guy who sends in those weird, crazy texts, you know. <laughs> now, do you think that you have an accent, or do you think that I have an accent? Uh, well, what do you think? I think you have a bit of an accent. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did spend uh, nine years in Nova Scotia at the blind school and did a fair bit of traveling. So Awesome. Yeah. Uh, spirited show, yeah. If you're going to listen to uh, Stoff's uh, show today, you'll hear me in there. I got in there in the second hour, and I didn't come away with a very good feeling from it. Um I want to establish right now that I'm not a dry sidle ditcher or a hall hater. Okay. I, I'm really not. I mean, nobody cheered more than me when those guys were taken. I mean, dry sidle could have easily jumped up and been grabbed by Buffalo. Yes. Right. Yes. Look what he did in the Western Com- in the, in the Memorial Cup. So, but you know, I agree with you and, and one of your callers. We need a different kind of forward. What's wrong with getting a forward for a forward? And dare I say, you know, if, if the starting the starting point for a D, D man that the Oilers need, GMs are looking for Everly. They're looking for Nugent Hopkins. Never mind talking about Yakupov or Justin Schultz. And by the way, would you give up Hamannick for Schultz and Purcell? No. Of course not. <laughs> right? What about uh, Schultz and Pouliot? No. No, exactly. Right? So we have very few options. And... So if Everly and Nugent Hopkins are the starters, dare I say maybe Taylor Hall, who I love and is a hell of a player, can he get you maybe Shattenkirk and plus, or Hamannick plus Strom plus Del Cole? And then keep in mind, we're going to get probably one of those Finns in the draft, and maybe, dare I say, the guy that you didn't really want to talk about coming into the, to the, to the season, and right. I agree because I'm tired of it, and I agree that uh, this rebuild is BS and it's only a license to fail. That's all it is, right? Yeah. We talked about that numerous times. 
So what's wrong with that? If he's your most marketable asset, you're not going to deal McDavid. No. You're not going to deal Dreisaitl. Well, McDavid, absolutely you won't deal. He's the one guy for for sure, for For sure. sure. Yeah. Right? You know, so, and uh, this is the thing. I mean, I, I was in Montreal on Saturday, and those fans went absolutely nuts for Subban. They went absolutely nuts for Bre- uh, for Gallagher. Now, that's a hell of a player to have in your top six, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, but I don't think that they're getting those guys. Is no, that what you mean? No, no, oh, okay. no, no. No, but no, Gallagher, right. I mean, right, and he's the type of guy, I mean, size be darned. Yeah. Look at his determination and feistiness to get to the net. I mean, if exactly. you saw Brendan Gallagher walking down the street and said to somebody, how many goals do you think he scored in the NHL, somebody would probably say he's probably not in the NHL. That's right. <laughs> but he does pretty well. Yeah, he does. He's, a, he's an awesome player. And, uh, you know, so there we were in Montreal. And my brother, by the way, I, I, yeah, I, I, get, I mentioned that, I'm, that I am blind. So I have to listen to you guys and listen to the TV. Didn't get great feedback from in the Bell Center because of the delays and the equipment problems, you know, interfering with an AM radio. Okay. So there's my brother having to spit out Euler numbers to try and do a Bob Cole. And God love him for that. <laughs> <laughs> you take care, Reed, and Mike, we'll call again. Yeah, sure. And thanks for sharing your experience there in uh, Montreal and your thoughts on the Oilers. It's great to hear from you. That is Mike in St. John's, who often texts the show, so really appreciate that he would call in tonight. Okay. Guys, you're doing an awesome job on the text line tonight. i got to just pick out a few. I, I said I would give the ladies some time tonight. Carol says, Hi, Reed. With respect to a leader on the team, I think the problem is the result of having three A's for so long. I know you don't have to wear the C to be a leader, but to be the leader, the C makes a difference. I bring this opinion from the workplace and the difference between being the boss and having an acting boss. Carol also says she is in for the nacho meeting as long as Matt Panaschik comes along and other Oilers fans over 60. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Christine uh, oh no, wait, that's, a, that's actually one for the newsroom. I'm going to have to pass that on to them. Uh, this is from Jillian. Yeah, it's a long one, but I'm going to read it. I've been in Edmonton less than two years, and I'm already sick of the excuses. I can't believe how much money people pay to go watch the Oilers do so badly. I'm from Montreal. People would be angry and put their money elsewhere if the Habs played as badly for as long as the Oilers have. Edmonton fans are a captive audience. Is it because there isn't much to do in Edmonton? Montrealers wouldn't pay to watch their team suck. We'd watch university hockey or go see a girls team. Unless you have a culture in Edmonton that bad hockey is acceptable, until the people up top feel it in their pockets, not much will change. Stop going to games and buying shirts for a last-place team. Just stop. I'm cheering for the Oilers and hoping they improve over the next few years. But beyond my uh, Oilers T-shirt, I won't be spending a dime on the team. How many times they got to break your heart before you walk away? Edmonton fans, seriously, just stop putting your hard-earned money into this organization until they start giving you something to cheer for. Maybe it's an East Coast thing, but man, I can't believe how happy you guys are to walk around in a shirt of a team that's in last place. People, just stop. I love this city. You deserve better hockey. That is from Jillian from Montreal, less than two years in Edmonton. Um, Well, you, you can always vote with your dollar. I agree with that part. But I also don't agree with 
stopping to wear your team's merch and stopping to support them when they're bad. I think if you're a fan, you're kind of in for life most of the time. I mean, Kellen, did you stop cheering for the Eskimos when they were 4-14? and 14? Oh, heck no. You didn't like it. No. But you still was like, all right, I guess I got to suck it up and hope. Absolutely. Tammy says, this team is a hot mess. Well, I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm not hip enough. I guess it means they're not very good. Uh, this team has been a sinking ship for years. All the players we drafted should have spent another year in junior, then a year or two in the minors. Due to bad decisions on players in the past and poor drafting, we had no choice but to play them in the NHL. The parade of coaches over the past five years has wrecked a number of players. I wonder if those bad habits and lazy play is now ingrained. Todd is an excellent coach, and we should pray he doesn't quit. The players have to wear this. We lack heart, discipline, and buy-in. Keeping the same coach for a few years will help a lot. The line needs to be drawn and held. That hasn't happened over the last few years. Move players who need a change. Move players who won't play hard. The GM has a hard job ahead of him, but the sooner he makes a move, the better. Too many comfortable guys in that room. Just my thought. That is from Tammy. Okay. I said I'd give the ladies some time tonight. You have it. Those are all very passionate texts, and I thank you for that. Quick timeout, then we're back with Joe Bowen from the Leafs broadcast booth. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chat. All right, we covered off a lot of stuff there. My original point to, to summarize is the Oilers do not have... Um, good forechecking and good net drive. I agree with all of you that defense is it has helped the team, would help the team, and is a major concern. I think for me, the lack of net presence and the lack of the ability to sustain zone time is an equal concern. And a lot of teams with low goals against are really good forechecking teams. That's my point. Of course, we're going to talk more about this probably forever. Uh <laughs> But right now, we want to bring in the play-by-play voice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They made a big trade yesterday. They got a pretty high-profile coach, too, Joe Bowen. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you doing? We're doing great, Reed. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for making time for us tonight. Uh, man, all of a sudden, the, uh, the Leafs uh, exploding back into the headlines uh, yesterday with the, the trade of Dion Phaneuf to the Ottawa Senators. Joe, tell me a little bit about your perspective on this. Um, f- first of all, did, did you foresee a move of this magnitude coming as the trade deadline was approaching? Well, the, the core of the team had been in question for a number of years, and uh, when Brendan Shanahan arrived on the scene last year, it was discussed, uh, the leadership group, um, that sort of thing, uh, was in question, and in the off season, the only move they made with the real core of the team was the training of Phil Kessel, which probably wasn't all that difficult. In that, um, you know, Phil was a, a, a proven goal scorer and everything else. The rest of the core of the team, I think they they made the move with David Clarkson, uh, which was a, a huge contract that obviously was an albatross around their neck. And Dave Nonis made that move before the end of the season, before he was dismissed. So you, you had the feeling that if they could do something, they would. But in order to make a trade, you've got to find a partner that wants what you're selling. And uh, it, it was uh, 
somewhat surprising, I, I guess, with uh, Ottawa decided to uh, uh, take the leap and, and go after Dion, and then uh, the trade was made yesterday. Uh, it's a long contract. He's got five more years left on it. Um, it would have been a difficult situation if you're going to change the leadership of a team. A lot of that depends on the captain of the team. And it would have been a difficult issue to strip the C off of uh, Dion Phaneuf in order to put it on someone else. And uh, I think under the circumstances now, uh, going forward, they'll probably wait until the right person materializes one way or another before even thinking about putting a C on anybody's jersey. Well, that's a good lead into my, my next question as well. And I mean, and the, the Leafs and Oilers obviously both an incredibly difficult situations when you look at the standings. The, the Oilers have Connor McDavid, and he's the centerpiece of the team. Who do you get the sense the Leafs are building the team around? He's not here yet. Okay. It's whoever they take <laughs> this summer? He's not here yet. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, it, uh, if, uh, if it's uh, Matthews, um, that's, that's to be decided whether they are able to uh, get him in the draft or whatever. But at this particular point, if there was someone that was going to be um, at least maintained, I would think it would be Morgan Riley. But I don't think that that's the center that he would be the centerpiece of the team. He would certainly be a, a very nice um, uh, addition to it. But he wouldn't be the centerpiece. And, and so uh, a lot of things are going to have to come down the road before that happens, whether it's uh, through free agency or whether it's uh, through the draft um, as to who would be the centerpiece of this. But, I mean, at this particular point, I think that the, the, the league management is looking at Austin Matthews. Is is how how what do you what do you make of all the Stephen Stamkos chat? I mean, some people were looking at this and saying yesterday and saying, "Well, there's another message to Stamkos. They're clearing cap space for him." Where are you with with that storyline? I guess, for lack of a better word. Well, I, I, I know Stephen quite well. I played ball with his dad. Uh, I've known him before he was born. Um, so I know I know the family very well, and I know Stephen, and I think that obviously it's going to be a decision that he makes, uh, and part of that decision process will come at the trade deadline. If he does not agree to a contract with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at the deadline, and then does not agree to a trade or uh, a movement, then. Um, you know, all bets are off. If, if he agrees to a deal, then, then uh, you know, then it's uh, it's the Austin Matthews uh, debate again. Um, if he is a free agent at the end of the year, I think the Maple Leafs and a number of other teams, obviously, are going to be uh, kicking the tires on that, and, and I think the Leafs would be very aggressive. But uh, how that all plays out will depend on what, uh, Steve Eiserman has in mind as far as the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are concerned and how uh, Stephen decides to um, go forward with his career. But, uh, I mean, if, if come, trade, or come free agent day and Stephen Stamkos is a free agent, uh, I would think that it would be behoove the Maple Leafs to go after a young man who's from their own backyard and, and go after him big time. And they obviously are in a position now with uh, cap space and everything else 
to be a, a premier player in that sweepstakes if, in fact, it does materialize. Joe Bowen joining us tonight inside Sports on 6.30. Chad Maple Leafs and Oilers coming up tomorrow night. Edmonton will be starting off a six-game homestand. You know, it's it, it's the two teams in the summer, Joe, that, that grab the high-profile coaches, McClellan and Babcock. Um, obviously, they find themselves at the bottom of the standings right now. Despite that, I argue that Todd McClellan has had a pretty big impact on the Oilers and, and how they play and the things they're trying to do. Let me ask you this. What's the biggest impact Mike Babcock has had on Toronto? Well, Mike Babcock is the face of the franchise uh, now. Um, and if Dion Phaneuf had a part of it, uh, it was there. But there's no question that Mike Babcock is the face of the franchise. Um, what he has done with a roster that is uh, um, not anywhere near uh, one of the better ones in the National Hockey League as, as, as implemented structure to their game. He has uh, implemented a work ethic that game in and game out is there. And um, I, I think one of the things, I, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs play hard. And, and, and they've, they've been a hard-working team throughout the course of the year. They don't finish. They have a lot of difficulty scoring. Uh, they don't have a premier uh, score that uh, you would say is there. The expectations of this team were absolutely zero uh, before the season started. And, and Jim Ralph, my uh, cohort that works with me on our radio broadcast, has many times said, this has been the greatest season ever to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. There has been zero pressure to uh, get anywhere other than where they are right now which is at the bottom of the heap in the Austin Matthews uh, sweepstakes. Um, you know, the, from afar, uh, the rest of us, especially in Toronto, are, we look at the Oilers and say, wow, all of those first picks, all of that young talent, and yet, my goodness, they're still uh, in this mess, I guess, is the, for the lack of a better term. And whether it's Connor McDavid or not Connor McDavid, there's been an awful lot of great young talent that has arrived here that at this particular point hasn't shown, um, you know, a great deal to move in the right direction yet. So um, you can think about rebuilding any way you want, but sometimes the blueprint isn't always exactly what you're looking at as to uh, make it work. You have to have a core of players that will um, lead everybody else and make sure that it's uh, strictly adhered to how you're going to play and you, I suppose everybody looks at the Chicago Blackhawks of that core of five or six guys that uh, are there always, and then you kind of plug in people who are uh, dragged along or pushed along or uh, made sure that they come along and play the right way. So uh, that's, that's the one issue that has gone on as far as the Leafs are concerned. And Mike Babcock, though, has certainly demonstrated that given the talent, uh, you, would, you would think – uh, his team is going to play a certain way, and they're going to play that way game in and game out. Yeah, well said. Joe, really appreciate you taking the time for us. Uh, these two teams meeting tomorrow night at Rexall Place. Toronto's last visit to Rexall Place, so uh, enjoy that. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Reed, anytime. Joe Bowen, play-by-play -play voice for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
ahead. J.C. Sherritt re-signs today with the Edmonton Eskimos. He was a free agent. Pat Steinberg will explain what happened in Calgary with those healthy scratches last night. And I've started texting back and forth on the text line with a loyal listener, D.B., Best fast food restaurant gravy. You can text that to 630-630. Inside Sports continues. You're listening to 630-CHED Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. We have Pat Steinberg standing by out of Calgary, Sportsnet 960, the flan, uh, the fan, the flan. They actually, Pat makes a delicious flan. But Brian has called the open line, and I hate to turn away a customer, so to speak. But Brian, I got to, I got to keep you to about a minute if you can, buddy. That's fine, Reed. Good show, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just have to speaking of the Oilers, and I, I keep coming back to defense. I know you're talking about the lack of four check with the offense, but. We haven't had a legitimate uh, one-two pairing defense uh, defenseman in, on the Oilers probably for seven or eight years now, and that to me is just is scouting and management. Uh, I don't care, you know, how, how good the forwards are. If you can't get the puck out of your end, it's it's not it's not great. But uh, they're they're overplaying the young guys and they're bringing in the guys that are too old. And uh, it just until they fix that and get a, that that first pairing, I think we're we're just spinning our wheels. Brian, thank you for calling. 780-496-0063 is the open line. I also asked um, which fast food chain has the best gravy. Taylor says Dairy Queen, no question, definitely not KFC. On the uh, text line, we got a couple votes for KFC. New York Fries coming through with a vote. And how about this? Gene Principe texting the show. KFC... Tell your listeners that and don't chicken out. The Prince of Puns gracing us with his presence through the magic of the text messaging telephone. That is incredible. Pat Steinberg hosts Flames Hockey and a whole bunch of sports shows down the highway on the Fan 960. Hey, Pat. Hey, Reed. First time, long time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Just decided to call in and yell at me. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, buddy. I'm going to do that to you. Yeah, you this should. is uh, Russ from Evansburg. Uh, why don't the Flames trade Yuri Hutler for Chris Letang? Oh, that's that's actually not uh, that's actually not too uh, out of left field with some of the calls we've been getting <laughs> lately. I, I would I would imagine you know our our shows haven't sounded all that dissimilar this year. Yeah, you know, yours is perhaps steeped in a little bit more of. Um, continued misery than ours is but uh still been a pretty uh pretty rough season down here for this flames group so it's been plenty of uh plenty of grumpy and angry calls for me too well let me uh let me ask you about last night uh because i'm getting ready to do our broadcast well i'm doing our broadcast and then i see this all oh, these guys aren't going to play so okay so it was uh goudreau best best player on the team best forward on the team right yeah uh Monahan, what would he be? Third best forward on the team, second best? Well, probably. I mean, he's he's probably their second, third best forward. Yeah. He's okay. Their, he's their one. 
and then uh, Boma, who like like solid depth guy, right? Yeah, and uh, you know scored double digit goals last year and had himself a pretty uh, still still a young guy. So you know three three younger players and and three pieces on this team that that help them go forward for sure. All right, so why were did they were they not allowed to play? Well, the word from the team is they broke team rules. And so they broke team rules and the team decided to, to come down and discipline them with sitting them out for a game. And, and, you know, the the most significant thing about all of this, I think, is that their, all their families were in town. Their dads were in town. They do this, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that lots of other teams do this too, but they do a dad's trip where all the dads go on a road trip with the team, and that's this coming road trip to San Jose and Arizona tomorrow and Friday. And so they were all in Calgary kind of starting it off. And so, you know, next thing you know, these, you know, three twenty something players have got to explain to their dads why they weren't in the lineup and, and they're all regular players. It's not like it would be a regular occurrence to see any one of these guys out. So uh, that, that's, that's maybe the most significant part of all of it. But there's a lot of different rumors as to what happened uh, and, and nobody really knows. We do know that uh, two of them, Monaghan and Boma, showed up late, like really late to practice on Monday to the point that, you know, it was very noticeable and uh, numerous people saw them getting into the building late. And apparently Gaudreau got in just before them. So, you know, that that's that's the first thing. But, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to, okay, were they, were, were they out partying on, on the night before for the Super Bowl or whatever? But nobody knows. We just know that they, they came in late on Monday and we know they broke a team rule. And, I mean, I, I really I, – I give them – I give them credit for going down that road because, I mean, this is a Flames team that is preaching that they're still in the playoff race. They're preaching that they have to have a, a great final 30-plus games and shock the hockey world to get back to the postseason for a second consecutive year. And as much as I don't believe that's going to happen, uh, they are very much you know, preaching that and sticking to that narrative inside that room. Well, against the Maple Leafs team, that traded their captain yesterday against the Maple Leafs team that is already one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League and that was missing two of their top three scorers due to injury, it would have been it would have been very easy for the Flames to say, all right, well, you know what, we need this win. We can sweep this stuff under the rug. But in a game where they needed two points, they scratched some important players and, and sent a message. So I give them credit for doing it. I, I think that it was uh, a message sent and it wasn't an easy decision to make because I think it is easier to just – yeah, boys will be boys, and, and we need these points, and we need our best players in the lineup. So I'll, I'll give them credit for doing that. What's so unprecedented about this is that I can't ever remember. You know, Washington scratched Ovechkin earlier this year. Like, Trotz scratched Ovechkin because he broke a team rule. And we've in. Seen it, yeah, we've seen, it, we've seen it many times before, right? So, um, so what was so unprecedented about this, though, is that it wasn't one, it wasn't two, it was three players that all got sad at the same time. And, and I think if it was just one guy, you know, that, and I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that in the last few years, guys have broken team rules and have been sat out, and we've just been told that they've been sick or that they're nursing a minor in, injury and they got to sit out a game. I think the Flames and most other NHL teams would rather just go about it that way and not tell everybody that uh, they've broken team rules. But a couple things were unique about this situation. First of all, 
three guys that they all wanted to discipline. So kind of tough to explain that away with something else. And number two, our good friend Mark Spector, uh, who you guys know very well in your city, our good friend Mark Spector was down in Calgary, and he wrote the story about you know how these guys showed up late, and, and so Speck kind of blew the, the top off the thing, and I think the Flames are kind of forced to. Once that story is out there, and I think the story in a lot of ways made them aware of what happened and, and got them investigating into what was going on. So... Once the, the, the top was blown off that, I think they were like, okay, well, we got to do something here, and, and they did. So it was a very unique situation. Looks like both Monaghan and Gaudreau are going to come back uh, tomorrow against the Sharks, and Boma we're not so sure about. And, you know, Boma's kind of been in and out of the lineup due to injury and that type of stuff anyway, but not sure whether or not Boma's going to come back. And if he doesn't come back, we're not sure if that's for disciplinary reasons or performance reasons, but certainly it was a unique situation. And I'll say this much. The story at first was, you know, former Flame Dion Phaneuf gets traded from from the Maple Leafs while they're in Calgary on on, a, on the day of a game. That was the story to start things out, but that thing got pushed to the side and then buried and stomped on after this story came out and after we found out this was going to happen. Because that that was the talk for the entire evening in Calgary as the Flames went down that road to uh, to scratch three regular players and and you know two of their young core players and. Those two players are not only huge players for the future in Gaudreau and Monaghan, they're their top two scorers, and they're both do massive contract extensions here in, in the next few months because they're both restricted free agents come July 1st. Pat Steinberg, Flames Radio Network host, joining us inside sports on 630 Chet at 743. Jamie has texted us, was Pat the media guy who Hartley called Columbo in the media scrum? That was hilarious. <laughs> no. That was not me because, as you know, I can't be there for the post-game stuff. I got to. Uh, same, be, same uh, as me, right? On the air, yeah. Okay. We, got, so we, we take that live, so no, that was not me. It was pretty funny. All right. Well, it would have been funny if he just would have inadvertently called you Columbo, even though you weren't there. Uh, I want to also ask you about this: uh, the throat slash motion. Uh, it, it's funny how the buzzwords catch on. No one, it, it, it was called a gesture last night. Now today people are calling it a motion. Uh, Nazem Kadri towards, uh, it was towards Giordano, right? It's bizarre yeah. stuff. In, like, we had Weidman hit the linesman. Uh, what, the England accidentally high-sticked the ref. Yeah. And now you got this throat slash thing, which is I, the players can say and do a lot to each other on the ice. There's a lot of verbal stuff that fans probably wouldn't believe, um, but it seems like Kadri here has has crossed the, crossed the line. That's why, I mean, I think Michelle Terrian got in trouble for it back in 2002 in the playoffs. That's one of those gestures that's uh, it's become a bit of a no-no. Well, it's it's kind of a no-no in, in all pro sports, too, like the NFL, yeah. the NBA, NHL. Like, you, you do the throat slash thing. We'll call it thing, too. Uh, the, the, the throat the throat slash thing. Yeah, you usually get some sort of punishment, but it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on Sportsnet today, and I think the uh, the Twitter account, Sportsnet Stats, has it up, but uh, they put out this graphic of uh, Tim and Sid had it up on their show today, and it was basically all the punishments of over the last, like, 10 years of when guys have done that in the NHL. And so uh, Peter Worrell was in there. Uh, Andre Waugh was in there twice. I think Nick Boynton was in there. There's a few. Anyway, so over 10 years, there, it, it happened seven or eight times. 
and the punishments were so completely all over the place. So I have no idea what they're going to do to Nazem Kadri because Andre Waugh did it twice. One time he got suspended twice, one time for two games rather, and one time he got suspended, and, and uh, rather he didn't get suspended at all. And Peter Worrell got a warning, and one guy got a fine of 2500 Another guy got a fine of 7500 This guy gets suspended one game, so it's just a real indication as to how all over the place uh, the NHL justice we talk plenty about that on any given day, but uh, yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do to Kadri. I mean, he should probably get a fine or something. He got caught on TV. He got, yeah, you know, he got caught mouthing that he's going to threat, threatening to kill Gio and all that type of stuff. Look, Giordano blew him up on a, on a play. Kadri was going one on three as the only man in the offensive zone. Uh, tried to make a move on Gio. Gio blew him up. It was a clean hit. Uh, Kadri after the game talked about how he doesn't even remember doing the throat slash gesture and says that, you know, he was pretty rattled and in a fog because he thought he got hit in the head and all that type of stuff. It was a clean hit, and I watched the thing about 30 times. You know, say, okay, let's give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Was it a clean? No, it was a clean hit. He got blown up. It was a it was a good hockey play, and he was just angry about it. A couple more times he tried to, to get back at Gio, and it didn't work very well. So <laughs> it was funny because I thought Kadri was the best player on the ice for either team last night. And yet he uh, is the focus in a negative way. So yeah, he should probably get a get a fine. It's not a good image for the league to be, you know, showing guys doing that on on television. It's been caught and it's been plastered all over television screens across the country. So yeah, they should probably punish him. I have no idea what they're going to do though because they're so all over the place with their punishment. All right, Pat. Quickly before I let you go, got a vote here from Randy who says the best fast food restaurant gravy A and W hands down. It's A W awesome. Capital A-W and awesome. Uh, Burger Baron in Redwater specifically uh, getting a vote. Lyle says, fast food restaurant with good gravy is an oxymoron. (laughs) Russell says, the best gravy in Edmonton has to be the Edmonton Oilers. Look at the players who are riding the gravy train. Ha ha. Great show. That is from Russell. Fast food restaurant with the best gravy. Pat Steinberg, go. Well, I got I to gotta side with my boy Gino and uh, KFC from a fast food standpoint that, you know, that, that's got to be the one. But I don't know if there's any transplanted Calgarians or people who have spent a lot of time in my lovely city uh, that, that are listening to this program right now in your lovely city. But uh, if, if you've been to Calgary, uh, chicken on the way. That is the best gravy on the planet. And uh, there's five locations in Calgary. And chicken on the way is going to – so if you're, if you're down here and you're looking for the best fried chicken and the best gravy, you got to go to chicken on the way. So it's not in Edmonton. It doesn't necessarily apply to your listening audience, but because there are five locations and it's fast food, that's going to be my vote. Pat, you're a gentleman for coming on the show. Thanks for the update on the latest with the Calgary Flames, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, great show, Reed. I'll call back another time. <laughs> okay, that's Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960, the fan uh, down the highway. Always great to have him on the show. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Got a little bit of time for your thoughts. J.C. Sherritt is coming up between 8 and 8.30. You'll also hear from Ed Hervey. Inside Sports presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow. The Oilers host Mike Babcock and the Maple Leafs. Pre-game 5.30, puck drop 7. AMA, safety and savings for your family. Back in a couple of minutes. Hi, this is Andrew Ference from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet.
The Red Wings beat the Senators 3-1. The Rangers are leading the Penguins 1-zip after 2. The Canucks with a goal from Jake Vertanen are up 1-0 early on the Coyotes. NBA tonight, we have Toronto leading Minnesota 89-87 late in the third quarter. What I want to do here, Kellen Kennedy, uh, I want to find the Raptors game, and I'll watch the rest of that one, and then when it's over, I'll go to the Canucks game. Makes sense because the Canucks game just started. Yeah, I can watch the end of the Canucks game when I get home. Yeah, but the Raptors are going to the fourth quarter. I might as well watch that. Uh, They have won 14 of their last 15. Got it on the old black and white monitor here in the 6:30 Ched Talk Studio. Absolutely, and a big All Star game this weekend in Toronto. Toronto hosting the All Star game. As I announced earlier, I will not be competing in the slam dunk competition. So, I look still a lot of good athletes in there. If you T- want to check it out. Tickets down there are fetching a pretty penny on StubHub. What Holy. are they? Did you look? Uh, low, low end six fifty, high end over twenty seven thousand bucks. Is that for the game or for the skills on for Saturday? The game itself. That's for the game. The NBA skills competition stuff isn't bad. No, it's fun. I, to I don't watch. mind why like, they I, obviously I work Saturday, so I'll be at the rink, right? Because that's yeah, they play the Jets. Yeah. But no, if I if I were home sitting around, I probably you might throw it on. Mm-hmm. Right, you see some fun stuff sometimes. Oh, they, yeah. they drag it out a little bit for TV, but you know what? Another thing too that that's great is that's an event that kind of has that timeless quality to it too, because you can go back and watch on like ESPN Classic or something, um, All Star Skills Competition from like '93, and watch guys like Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal and that stuff do the thing, and compare them with guys today like Steph Curry and that stuff. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Uh, the great story. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm I'm not a huge basketball fan. I think like a lot of people in this type of the world, and I know there's people listening who would follow it more closely. But for me, that era that I really liked about the NBA was you know kind of mid '80s to mid '90s, maybe even early '80s to mid '90s. You had the Lakers and the Celtics, and then the Pistons, and then Jordan took over. And the Rockets won a couple in a row there. And that was the year of the the Dream Team. And Jack McCallum, who's the longtime basketball writer for Sports Illustrated, two or three years ago he wrote a book called Dream Team about that 92 team. It was really good. I, I I like reading about basketball from that era. I read Jeff Perlman's Showtime book about the, the Lakers of the 80s and the early 90s. I don't know, just something about the personalities and, and sort of those same teams going at it over and over again. So in the Dream Team book, he talks about how Larry Bird was this masterful trash talker. He just got in guys, inside guys' heads like nobody else. But the, a lot of people didn't know about it because he was so subtle on the court and just the way he would do things. So there was one year, I mean, he won the three-point shootout, I don't know, two or three times at least probably. So one year, I can't, I can't remember the if, if I would have known I was going to relate this anecdote, I would have looked it up. But there was a, a player who was having an incredible year shooting three pointers, like f- over fifty percent, going to the All Star break, and it was like this guy is going to beat Bird. This this guy is going to beat Bird in the, in the shootout. Bird's going to lose his three point crown. So the eight players, I believe, who were in the competition kind of are gathered in the dressing room before they go to shoot, or maybe maybe it was the morning practice. I don't know. And Bird walks in, and he goes up to this guy, and he's like, hey, man, you're having a great year shooting from three. And the guy's like, oh, thanks. And he's like, yeah, I'm amazed that you can do it, given how they changed the texture of the ball this year. The NBA made no changes to the basketball. 
but Bird says this to the guy, and now the guy's like, oh, my God, I've even noticed a different feel on the ball. And they go out there for the three-point shootout, and Bird crushes him. Like, this guy's just completely psyched out. I enjoyed that story. Dream Team is the book by Jack McCallum. This is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, really more of a nightmare, uh, but thanks for sticking with us this far. Tell you what, this is great. J.C. Sherritt back with the Edmonton Eskimos. He joins us next.